Durant. Oh! A jawbreaker! Curry with a drive. Blocked by Jackson. Bain, step back three. Bingo! Hello, Grizzly fans, and welcome to this summertime edition of The Core Four, one of the featured podcasts on the Bluff City Media Podcast Network. We are taping this show on Monday evening, June 26th. 2023. Uh, It's been a few weeks since we've been together, so we have a lot to cover on today's show. We will feature some of our regular Core 4 segments, Climbing Corner. In fact, a huge double portion of Climbing Corner as we break down all the recent Memphis personnel moves. We'll have drafts, winners, and losers, and we'll wrap it up with some hot takes. So much to cover. Should be a lot of fun. My name is David Buckler, and I'm joined today by my co-hosts, Matt Gill and Xavier Dotson. How are you guys doing? How's your summer been, Matt? It's been solid, man. Playing a lot of golf, uh, <laughs> watching the NBA, man. Just keeping up with uh, all the off-season drama that we all love. And don't bury the lead, Dave. You got to answer for your Denver Nuggets hate that we had all year long, and they absolutely were a buzzsaw in the playoffs and uh, yeah, end, up, end up with a title. They were great. They were great, and I had it here. I was going to say that at the top here that I, I have to apologize. Uh, because all year long, I didn't believe, and they, they proved me wrong. There's no question about that. No question. They were fantastic, certainly deserving title winners. And uh, and Xavier, even though we haven't had the core four in a few weeks, we do see you on uh, on the internet a lot with your TikTok videos. You're doing a lot of great coverage. See you on Twitter. Tell us what you've been up to. Yeah, although, you know, the Grizzlies were out early in the playoffs, I'm still trying to cover Memphis content, whether it is the Tigers or the Grizzlies or either, either the other teams in the NBA. Um, you know, I'm keeping up with updated news, especially with all the free agency drama going on around right now. Draft the draft recaps of the Grizzlies and, you know, going in depth about players, especially um, now that, and, you know, we still we have a lot of youth on our team. I got a new series that's out. that's like the Grizzlies development plan that I'm dropping for each player. So I sort of have that on hold for right now due to the fact it is the, sort of early in the offseason. So I don't know which players are going to be moved, but I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm going to pick that back up pretty time, pretty soon. But it's, it seems like you've been doing a lot more of the videos. Do you enjoy the offseason almost more than the regular season in some ways? Um, Yeah, because you do take the time and actually, like, look at the film and you realize how much you miss watching these players and, and, and teams play. And so – it gets me more excited for the next season because it's like, dang, I really wish Memphis would have continued being, being in the playoffs and made it far. But I still, of course, love the regular season. I, I want to be at the games. I want to watch the games. I want something to talk about. Not just, you know, rumors. A lot of rumors and, and bad rumors go around during the offseason. So. But at the same time, though, it's still I still find enjoyment. You know, we got the summer league coming up in a few weeks. And so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. I have some more videos being uh, more videos drop around that time. So, yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about these uh, topics with you guys. And I, my one prediction for the next season, I'll tell you a team that I'm keeping my eyes on is Denver. That, that Denver team next year. Watch out for them. I'm, I'm all over them. Yeah, I think they could be better depending on like I think Bruce Brown was a huge part of what they did. He stepped up a bunch in the postseason. So I think it's kind of depends on what he ends up being. But Another year in the league for Christian Brown, who had a good uh, finals and postseason run as well. You liked him. But, you liked him all year. Yeah, I will. I mean, it's just a proven winner thing, right? Like he obviously was on the title team for Kansas. It's a really good system going to Denver like that. And 
obviously he was just a, a bench role guy. So like there wasn't a ton on his plate, but I loved him coming out. And I think there's another guy from Kansas when we talk about some of the draft guys as well. There's another Kansas kid that I like um, from this year's draft too. But yeah, I, I think Denver could be even better next year, honestly, depending on like how some of those guys develop. But I wanted to ask both you guys real quick again, before we get into Memphis specific conversation, Back in 2015, when the Warriors won their first championship, it felt sort of like the building of something. And then, of course, we saw that's exactly what it was. When the Toronto Raptors won their championship, I did not feel the same way in 2019. Do you feel that this Denver Nuggets championship was a culmination of several years of moves and this is kind of the pinnacle? Or do you think, Xavier, this is the start now of a run for the Nuggets maybe over the next three, four, five years? I think possibility this could be a run for them. They have an established superstar and Nikola Jokic. Really, he really seems like he enjoys being in Denver. And if we watch the Denver throughout the years as they progressed, they started out with Paul Millsap. And you know, Paul Millsap was a, a pretty he was at the end of his career when he was playing for Denver. And I mean, he was once an all-star. They missed like having that forward spot and making that move for Aaron Gordon was highly, highly underrated. And he would show how valuable he was. You know, a lot of that work was through the draft. Like you said, like you mentioned the Golden State Warriors. A lot of their work was through the draft, picking up Draymond Green. He was a second-round gem. Picking up Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray wasn't just like a fantastic high draft pick. And then as well, scooping Michael Porter Jr. was a, a, a underrated one as well because if, if he really didn't hurt his back, he was potentially going to be a number one or top three pick in that 20, was it 2018 draft. So is that this has been a buildup and it has paid off because they learned a lot through their uh, playoff struggles in, in earlier seasons. And you got Nikola Jokic, who seems that, I mean, as much as he's like a great player, it seems in a way that he sort of doesn't have interest of being – you know, that main, main guy of, of having the crowd and the media following him. And I feel like Denver is the perfect environment for him because, you yeah. know, Denver isn't a, a, a huge city. It's not like a, a huge city NBA-wise. So I really f- I feel like that the Denver Nuggets have, have something special that can potentially last for, you know, five years from now. It reminded me, though, I got to tell you, Matt, you talked all year about how valuable Andrew Wiggins was to that Warriors team last year. And I thought Aaron Gordon sort of was that this year for the Nuggets, that connective tissue that really helped them get over the top. What, what do you think is the, the uh, kind of the, the view uh, at the top for the Nuggets right now? Are they, are they looking at maybe a, a real nice run here for the next four or five years? Yeah, I mean, Xavier said that they have an established superstar. I think they have the best player in basketball, like in the entire world. I think Jokic is that good. He's a floor raiser for all these guys. Like, we can talk about how good Christian Brown and Bruce Brown and Michael Porter Jr. and, and you know, everybody – and Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Like, those guys are all good, but if you're playing with these, you know, number one guys and, and we've seen some – you know, LeBron James, for example, is another guy who makes everybody on your team better. But start to finish, this team, all that matters is the top two guys. It's Jokic and it's Murray who have mm-hmm. been – you know, a, a, a deadly combination. The only time we've really seen them fail is when Murray was injured and not part of this team, um, you know, two years ago in 2019. You make the Andrew Wiggins comparison. I it, it is similar in the fact that, like, 
what Wiggins brought to that 2019 Warriors team was the rebounding and the defensive aspect of it when, like, that was something that team clearly needed. And Gordon does a fair amount of that. And he did have one good offensive game in the finals as well where he went for 27, something like that, hit a couple threes. Um, so he can, you know, be a high-level offensive guy for him too. But they just did a really, really good construct, good job constructing this roster top to bottom. It's all the draft picks that they've hit, Murray, Jokic, uh, Michael Porter Jr., you know, all kind of steals in the draft. It's not like they've controlled a number one or number two pick during this run either in their rebuilding. So, I mean, it's a testament to them and their front office. Um, but they're set up for, yeah, a four to five year run where, like, you know, they're going to be in contention year in and year out. But also the fact is, going back to Xavier's point, that Jokic is not really one of these guys who, you know, is begging for the limelight. Like, this, that's a guy who could retire early, and I, I don't think any of us would be super shocked by it. Yeah. And so I think that not only are they set up for it right now, I think they're incentivized to try and be as good as they can for this four- to five-year window, which, you know, could – you know, we're – it's easy to say it's that long when you win your first title, but usually those championship windows are much shorter. You know, people, guys want to leave, guys want more money, guys want more uh, playing time, want the ball more, want more shots, all this stuff. So it's hard to say, but for the next for next season, Denver is a top four team uh, to be considered for the, the, the NBA title again, for sure. Does Bones Highland get a ring, by the way? <laughs> I think he will. I don't. I you know. I, I don't think he deserves one. That was um that that was a, a good one that you had that he, you know, wanted to leave one of the best players and like one of the one of the great you know floor raisers of, of the history of basketball and ends up in in L. A. to do really nothing with that Clippers team. So nothing. Yeah. Okay, let's jump. Let's jump into our first segment. And guys, you're going to do a little double feature on climbing corner today. First time for us chatting about some of these topics here that we'll get into. So I'm very curious of what you guys are thinking about. You know, our general manager and executive vice president of basketball operations, Zach Kleiman, he's right in the middle of a very important stretch for the Memphis Grizzlies. While it's true the Grizzlies are one of the youngest, most exciting teams in the league, I feel like everything feels a little unsettled right now especially with the news that John Morant will miss the first 25 games of the upcoming season. So Xavier, I want to start with that. I, I want to, I want to ask for your reaction to specifically the length and severity of Jaws punishment from the league office. Um, of course, you know what happened. It was his second uh, acute or second time doing what he did of the action, basically. So obviously how Anna, Adam Silver, the commissioner, was going to handle this, of course, he has to double it and make it even a, a longer si sentence due to the fact, I mean, he, he didn't learn his lesson the first time. So I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. But in terms of, you know, 25 games, we look at the severity of what he truly, truly did. He really didn't break. He didn't break any laws. And so, I, I mean, it's it's it's. He does have to follow the lead conduct, though. So, like I said, he got eight, eight games the first time. A lot of people really was expecting, you know, Adam Silver to throw him the book, giving him probably half the season or, or a full year. I didn't expect that Adam Silver isn't someone that's just, you know, very, very strict or whatnot. So, and he understands that John Morant, I, he he knows that John Morant is one of the biggest faces of the league, but John Morant in his head, I don't know if he understands that he, he understands that he is a big face in the league with his actions. So 25 games, I'm okay with that number. Obviously, he misses 
the eligibility of awards, you know, mm-hmm. later on being in the first team, second team, all the second team, all NBA class and all like that. So it's going to hurt his pockets again. He's not eligible for a super max. And I'm just thinking like, okay, 25 games isn't a lot. Isn't like truly a lot. We've dealt with John Morant being out in the past due to injuries and as well with a suspension. I feel like the Grizzlies can be able to, can possibly tread water. We haven't looked at the schedule this year. I mean, for next season yet. So we don't know how, how severe um, the Grizzlies are going to ha- how severe the opponents are. The Grizzlies are going to face in those first 25 games. But I mean, I'm just hoping that the kid finally learn his dog on listen. Like, because I mean, truth be told, we haven't had nothing this special with this whole group of core, a, a big three like this. And ever, I mean, we talk about our big three of Conley and Marcus Gasol and Zach Randolph. Yeah, that was really good, but as term as, in, in terms of superstar level yeah. potential between John Morant, Jaron Jackson, and Desmond Bain, like we've never had anything like this. And I want us to capitalize this while we can. I really wish that the kid would finally understand. Like, look what did you look what you have here in Memphis. You can potentially win a championship. You potentially can go even further and elevate your game. I mean, he has all of this, but I, I mean, the 25 games, I don't feel like it's just like an extremely harsh punishment, but at the same time, it's very understanding why he needs that. But see, Matt, the, my man, I think Xavier makes a great point about the All-NBA awards and the financial piece of this, but my question is, who the hell is bringing the ball up? Because, I mean, we got Marcus Smart, and I thought one of the, and we'll talk about him in a second here, but I thought one of the problems with that Celtic team the past couple of years was it took a long time for them to get into sets, and sometimes their point guard play wasn't very good. So are, are we saying that, you know, you know, because Tyus is in Washington now, we don't have Kennedy Chandler anymore. Uh, who's bringing the ball up and, and, and running this team for the first 25 games? Is it as simple to say Marcus Smart? I think so. But if you, but to your point, man, like go back and watch that 2019 finals. It was horrible. The ball handling from the Celtics side, there was a lot of turnovers. Um, we know how bad the half court looked for them this season as well. But if you go back to that 2019 finals, they had to just say, look, forget it. It's it's Jason Tatum is bringing the ball up for us and he's going to be our initiator because things just got that bad with that point guard rotation. And Marcus Smart was definitely a part of that. Jalen Brown, not much of a ball handler himself either. Um, and that's why they brought in guys like Derek White, who kind of disappeared in that 2019 playoff run as well. But has been, you know, obviously was a very good player this year. And then they add Malcolm Brogdon on top of that as well. Uh, so I'm with you. I think the, the ball handling is definitely still a question. Desmond Bain, though, we've seen take leaps as a uh, playmaker, a ball handler for him. Um, so I think that between him and Marcus Smart, they'll be all right for 25 games. Like, it'll be passable for the first part of a regular season. Um, if I could go back to the number, though, for the the, the suspension, I, I think it's the right number. Like, 25 was – the right amount um the first go around clearly was not enough and i think maybe that was why we saw a bigger number this time at 25 uh to kind of emphasize like hey we kind of were trying to work with you on the mental health aspect of it the first time around that clearly didn't help hopefully this um you know teaches them a lesson obviously and you would think you know 50 60 70 million dollars that he's missing out on at this point like is enough to wake somebody up and say all right I gotta change the way I am looking at you know how I go about being an NBA superstar hopefully that's enough to do it but who knows but yeah when you get to the basketball side of it man like to let go of Tyus Jones in this situation like it's a real line in the sand moment I think for for Zach Kleiman like 
if that move doesn't work out and Marcus Smart is terrible, which I, I don't love that trade, I would have rather kept Tyus Jones. I think that was the absolute floor of what they could have got for him. And uh, I really worry about what the what the ball handling and the point guard rotation looks like, not just when, you know, when Jaws gone, but once it comes once, you know, Jaws back in the lineup, how they're going to make that work. Um, well, that's, that's exactly right, because there were times when it was nice to see Tyus and Ja play together. Exactly. And some yes. of that pressure wasn't on Ja Morant to bring the ball up all the time and to have someone kind of get us into our sets and Ja could take a few plays here and there, not take them off, but kind of relax a little bit with those ball handling duties. So. I think it's kind of an odd, odd backcourt fit right now. I know Kennard's got some playmaking skills. You, you mentioned Desmond Bain. Last year they were going to try Zaire Williams a little bit in summer league and try to get him a little bit more comfortable. But I'm a little nervous about not having like a traditional point guard because we've seen teams in the past struggle in the playoffs when the game slows down and, and kind of grinds, you need good, solid ball handling. Of course, the team right now is not a finished product, guys, right? I mean, we may see other moves, you know, of course, as we go through the season, and maybe they get a look at Marcus Smart here, and that's not the right approach. I, I do want to touch on that trade, though, Xavier. It certainly caught me off guard, I got to tell you. Um, and, and, but the more I thought about it, I mean, you know, 6'4", 220, his ninth year from Oklahoma State. Uh, he certainly has defensive player of the year pedigree, winning it in the past. Uh, he, he's been in a lot of big games for Boston. He signed for three more years at a reasonable contract. Those are all the statistics and all the, the particulars. But for me, it was the emotional side of it, right? The emotional maturity of what he brings into the locker room. Do you feel that was the deciding factor in making that trade? Yeah, mo most certainly. I, I say this. One thing about the Grizzlies, in terms of when they always had their best success, they've always had a great inside post, I mean, inside defender and a great wing defender. We look at just in the early days with Pal Gasol, with Pal Gasol days, he, you had him as a great inside defender and you had Shane Battier as a wing defender. Then you look with the grid and grind days, you had Mark Gasol and then Tony Allen. And then you you jump now to current days, we had Jaron Jackson. And of course, we had Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks, of course, we know we're, we're venturing off and moving on from him. So they wanted somebody that's going to be a great wing defender, an established wing defender. And they they really enjoy the emotional wing defenders, to be exact, because they're going to show their – I mean, that they w willing really are willing to put everything on the court and on the floor, and that helps rally their teammates to play and, and go to war with them. Obviously, yes. Marcus Smart, we know his resume, a one-time defensive player of the year. He's been three times first-team all-defense. He's been in a lot of war battles in the playoffs. He's been he's basically almost climbed the summit, but he has not. But I felt like climbing understands now that we're trying to push for something way bigger, and that's at least a championship. As much as we love Tyus Jones and that we appreciate Tyus Jones, he really hasn't done anything that much in the playoffs for us. So it, we, we saw Tyus Jones. He had a huge opportunity to step up last this past playoffs. He did step up that one field that one game when John Morant was out. But this was a bigger opportunity because, you know, John Morant wasn't even 100% in that playoffs, and yet he, he still folded against the, the Lakers series. So it's I think now is the time. Climate understood it, the, the window is open right now. And he wanted somebody established. We talk about maturities, the immaturities of this team in the in past prop in our past podcast. 
Marcus Smart, I'm not saying that he's going to be somewhere as, as a stern parent, like a, be a parent figure in the locker room, but at the same time, he's not going to be afraid to, to tell people and, 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 and players like, hey, yo, we, we shouldn't be doing this. We shouldn't be doing that. And I think Clyman see that as well. We pick up another guy that fits our style of, of defensively. And I understand, as like you guys just talked about, in terms of playmaking, Marcus Smart, in the past, he's he's always really just been a shooting guard. He just transitioned to being the point guard for the uh, the Boston Celtics. But he, in the regular season, he did a decent job. For a guy who hasn't played point guard since his college days, he averaged 6.3 assists. So it's looking like things are probably going to pick up for the Grizzlies, hopefully pretty well with him, especially since we've already are a defensive team. I just I just see climbing doing this as a, putting a stand on the maturity factor and then as well replacing that that emotional defender wing defender that we've always had have on our team when we need success. Yeah, see, I sort of like it, too. In fact, I'm, I'm curious, Matt, is it that you don't like the trade by giving up Tyus or you don't like the fit of Marcus Smart on this team? Both. I think Tyus is the better player offensively. <laughs> I think Marcus Smart. Definitely took a step back defensively this year. He didn't even make an all-defensive team after winning Defensive Player of the Year the year before. Clearly has dealt with some injuries and has put a lot of miles on his body, so like some of that is to be expected. I just think when you look at the totality of this deal, Boston got the best player in the deal, uh, and they got two draft picks, and I yeah. think Memphis gave up the second best player in the deal and got a, a lesser player who – his pluses are all of the same pluses as Dylan Brooks, which is the defensive intensity and the leadership aspect, but all of his minuses are also Dylan Brooks's minuses. So this seems like a sideways move to me where we finally got away from a chucker and a, and a you know, a bad shot taker at times who is an inefficient shooter. And we've replaced him with another one in Marcus Smart, who at the end of games, the ball just finds him. And, and that is either – just a point of, you know, luck. And you can look at it at the end of games in the Miami series and the Philadelphia series. And it's either that or other opposing teams are just like, yeah, we'll let Marcus Smart, Mark, Marcus Smart try and beat us. And a lot of times he can't because he's not that guy, but he does think he is very similar to Dylan Brooks. So I just don't really see how this makes the team any better. I think this roster is way worse than it was last year with Tyus Jones and Dylan Brooks. This is not the uh, uplifting start to the show that I, no, I mean, I agree with what you're saying to a point, because I, as I mentioned, I'm a little concerned about the ball handling on the team. I really am. And about the well, playmaking from that backcourt. I liked the trade because I just didn't want to see Dylan Brooks back on the team. Uh, sure. Whatever, whatever that had to look like. Now I will say, do you guys remember like Dwight Howard when he was in Orlando was winning all kinds of defensive player of the year awards. And he was great. He was great. He was great. They made the finals the one time. And then they got wiped out in four games. And then he went to the Lakers. And then there was actual expectation on Dwight Howard. And, and he stunk. And, you know, he was always nice down nestled in Orlando where there wasn't, there wasn't any real. So I, I'm bringing this up because we always talk about Tyus Jones as the best backup point guard in the league. And what a shame. He's, well, now he's going to start. And we're going to see – now, he's not surrounded by the best talent. We'll get to that a little bit later. I love what the Wizards have done, but we'll get to that later. He's going to struggle, I think, because the team isn't very good around him. He will bring some professionalism to the Wizards, no question. But it is kind of maybe bittersweet that this is sort of like where he landed, right? 
Yeah, I mean, definitely he does not have the supporting cast that he did in Memphis. But, I mean, Tyus Jones does have a pretty proven and, you know, respectable track record as a starter filling in for John Morant. And, you know, did a really good job in those spots when asked. And he was a big part of why their record was so good when Ja was out. Um, I don't know. I I just felt that they gave up a lot in this trade without getting very much back and – it just didn't make a lot of sense to me, to be honest. I thought they gave I up. Say, I think Xavier was kind of right, though. Like, he wasn't great in the playoffs. And there no, was it, was a ba- it was a bad playoffs for him, for sure. That That is definitely true. But that I don't think that's necessarily an indication of, like, who he is. He's been he's been a really steady yeah. point guard for you um, when you've needed him in a bunch of different situations. But he did not shoot the ball well in the playoffs. That is true. I, 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 I'll say this, though. Like I said, I feel like right now, climbing is just envisioning now of straight trying to win a championship. I think Taylor Jenkins can handle his own own within his 25 games of us winning, at least treading the water without John Morant. We can tread the water without John Morant. And I think Taylor Jenkins, we, we know Taylor Jenkins' resume as a winner. He can get us games to win. But it's, it's really during when, when we're out in the playoffs, Taylor Jenkins can be out coach. He doesn't have a deep playoff uh, resume. We got Marcus Smart now. He understands of like what to expect in these late close games and whatnot. And I, I agree with you, man. Sometimes he does have those the ability to chuck up those shots and blow the games. But at the same time, though, he 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 is a pretty smart and capable player that at times you can rely on. So, but let me ask you guys this: uh, changing subjects just for a second because we mentioned Dylan Brooks. So. It came out after the season. He's not coming back, quote unquote, under any circumstances. Right. Well, that probably didn't sit super well with his camp. And and it wasn't I didn't think very professional that that got in the media. It might have been true, but it didn't necessarily have to make the media. So now now we may want to have to play ball with him and do a sign in trade. So for those who aren't kind of familiar with like why we would just release him, you know, he's a free agent or why he would even agree to a sign in trade. With the Grizzlies, what is the mechanics of the sign-and-trade with Dylan Brooks that he would even kind of allow the Grizzlies that, you know, afford them that opportunity? Well, you know, based from when that drama unfolded, I saw from his agent, he even – his Dylan Brooks' agent tweeted out saying when the reports came out, you know, he, don't, he didn't understand where he get that information from. Like, they haven't – the team – and the organ, yeah, the Grizzlies and his, you know, his specific camp didn't communicate about that. It was just basically, you know, a media member trying to get that attention and saying that. I don't think the, I think that we knew the Grizzlies were going to eventually give up on Dylan Brooks. Like the ship had sailed with Dylan Brooks, with the Dylan Brooks saga. But I don't think it's basically, he won't be able to do a sign and trade with us now. Like he's not, he's not going to agree with that. I think that we should at least get something out of each player. If you possibly can. And it's funny that you mentioned that because reports came out today. that it's, it's teams in line right now who are interested in Dylan Brooks. And I see Milwaukee is one of them. And that's a team that we could possibly do a sign and trade with specifically Chris Middleton, because he just declined out his player option. I don't see how players can just decline out of $40 million to hey. <laughs> I mean, I wish I had that that lifestyle. But if we can find a way to do a sign and trade with Chris Middleton, that'll be huge in terms of you talk about another ball handler right there. Chris Middleton 
Uh, he's very underrated in, in terms of setting up his teammates. He's been a guy who's averaged six assists in, in the past four or five seasons. And then as well, he's somebody where he addressed, you know, the shot creation. He's a great shot creator. But so, I don't understand, uh, Xavier. I don't understand why it would have to be a sign-in trade, like for Middleton, instead of just signing Chris Middleton. Well, th that's the thing, though. Like, in terms of you want to make the 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 money st standpoint correct, because you don't want us to go over the luxury tax. I don't think they want to use the MLE, the mid-level exception, due to the fact they don't want to go over the luxury tax. Even though that, um, you know, our owner he done stated he don't he doesn't have a problem spending money. It's just still at the same time. Memphis is just a big, small, small market. If we win a championship, then guess what? I'm pretty sure Robert Perry doesn't have money. Doesn't have really have a, the second guess. Okay, we can spend the money. Just like look at Golden State, they they're way over the you know the salary cap and they paying the luxury tax big time. But we want to do a signing trade to at least get back something. Is that what is that what you were kind of tracking, Matt? With uh, what would be the best approach on how we handle the Brooks situation? Yeah, but I don't see it happening. You got to get a lot of people on the same page to do something like this. I think the relationship is a lot more sour than what people, you know, want to hope. And I, I think the sign and trade stuff is so much like just Grizzlies fans playing around on the trade machine, man. And we see a lot of it on Twitter, right? Like I've seen several of them just today where it's like, well, we could do this, but we do have to get the Dylan Brooks sign and trade. I, I just – it's a lot of moving pieces. Whenever you're asking me like a question of like, well, is something big going to happen or is actually nothing going to happen? I'm usually going to lean towards nothing's going to happen. And I just, I, I don't see how you get Dylan Brooks, his camp um, in on the same page on this, as well as a whole nother team and another player who has also opted out of his deal. It's, it's too many revolving doors and, and moving pieces. I think the Dylan Brooks thing is over and done with. Kleiman already said that, like, we shouldn't expect anything that crazy for the last roster spot. So, like, Chris Middleton in a sign-in trade kind of feels like that to me. Um, I just don't see it. I, I, I think that they kind of look at this season as, you know, let, let's maybe add one more guy in free agency and see what happens through these first 25 games, as, as Xavier said, try and tread water. I think they probably expect to do a little bit better than that um, through 25 games. Like, they probably want to win – I don't know, 16 to 17 of those, you know what I mean? And, and be a little bit above 500 and then maybe make a decision from there. But I don't think they're going to be super active in this free agency period, similar to what we saw in the draft, where like normally the Grizzlies are trying to get into that first round and they really didn't. Mm -hmm. So we did draft Gigi Jackson. We're going to talk about the draft here in a minute. Guys, before we move off of Climate Corner, let's go around. Any other moves that you expect this summer, Xavier? Um. In terms of Grizzlies-wise, yeah, I don't see yeah, it, it, it. Like what Matt was saying, well, Climbing has stated he doesn't see us making a big swing this summer. I don't see a huge swing happening. Um, you know, a possibility of a signing trade with Dylan Brooks will be nice, but I think this roster really stay intact. It'll be interesting to who they, you know, fill with that 15th spot. But in terms of, you know, a big superstar or probably a major role player, as long if, if they're if they're uh, like a team that just out of the blue really want to make business with us, I see this roster really just staying put. Because mm. Matt, this the next couple of days, uh, you know, when free agency starts, everything it gets kind of exciting in the NBA. You, you're not expecting much. I mean, 
in Memphis, no, I really think the roster is kind of set where it's going to be. The one guy I have my eye on is, you know, a possible free agent target is Josh Hart. I think he's a guy who has all the pluses of a Dylan Brooks, the hustle stuff, um, blue guy, good teammate, uh, can be, you know, can knock down a couple outside shots for you, but he has a much better decision-making process. In my opinion, he doesn't take and he doesn't need as many shots. So Josh Hart is a guy that I hope they target or somebody of that kind of like level. But mm-hmm. I don't think anything crazy is coming. Like I, I think the ship has sailed on trying to get a Mikel Bridges, OG Ananobi, I don't think those moves are coming anymore after all season long, you and I specifically, Dave, I remember, well, I think all of us really thought that this was going to be the Grizzlies summer and to go back to what you opened with, man, the vibes are just weird around this team right now. And I think it's really hard to tie up a bunch of your long-term capital and players, um, you know, in a move that right now may not help you win. You know, if you, if, if the inverse happens and they're behind the eight ball after those first 25 games, and, you know, they've traded three picks to try to get OG Ananobi. Like, you're in a bad spot. So I just think the vibes are too weird right now to try to make an all-in move. I don't I, I don't think it's coming. Well, isn't it also the 25 games for Ja? He has to meet some certain conditions even before he's reinstated. So it's at minimum, let's be honest, at minimum 25 games. I, I think that's – I don't think that's going to be an issue at all, though. I think well, his camp's going to make it happen. I certainly hope you're right. And we do want to keep our eye on the medicals. Also, word is that Stephen Adams will be ready for training camp. Uh, Brandon Clark, of course, coming back from the Achilles. Uh, let's hope that recovery keeps going well. And 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 uh, Desmond Bainhead is toe operated on, right? So we got some medical situations to clear up this summer. Let's move on, guys, and take a look back at the 2023 NBA draft in our next segment. Okay, in our next segment, I need to discuss the 2023 NBA draft with you guys. It is my favorite time of the year of the draft. And then the Summer League, absolutely love it. Uh, It's been a few days since the Wemby draft. San Antonio, to me, obviously a big winner from last Thursday night. Matt, give a shout out to some other teams or players that you felt uh, that you feel won big on draft night. Yeah, I don't want to. um, Obviously, the Spurs are the winner. I think they did great. And I personally thought Scoot was the second best player. So I like that Portland stayed pat and took him. Um, so removing those two, I've got two other winners here. One of them happens to be the, the second team drafting, but it's because I like the depth that they got as well. Charlotte obviously gets Brandon Miller with the second pick. I probably personally disagree with that just because I would have rather had Scoot Henderson if I was Charlotte, or I would have rather traded out and try to get something and move back. But uh, I think Brandon Miller is going to be a good pro. I think his ceiling, though, is a little bit lower. Like, I think Brandon Miller's ceiling is Brandon Ingram, who we've seen be a really good uh, number one option in New Orleans. But I don't know that that necessarily makes you a title contender by any means. Um, so they take him with the second pick. But then Nick Smith, man, like a guy I wasn't super high on at Arkansas. I actually like the other kid better, Anthony Black. But the fact that they got Nick Smith so late in the draft, uh, really good pickup by them there. He was the number one player in his class at one point, uh, which obviously had a lot of uh, shifting around with different guys. But to get a guy with a really high ceiling like that, that late in the draft is always good by me. James Najee's got a lot of good press coming into the draft as well. We saw some good workouts, uh, good body on him, good build, a really good solid player who I don't think is going to contribute to him this year, but uh, in a couple years could be a really good player for him. And then Amari Bailey was their last pick in the second round as well. Um, high, high ceiling, low floor kid, but a really good swing at it. The, the Nick Smith pick really for me 
put them in my winners list. And then the second one was the Nets, actually. Um, Noah Clowney, Derek Whitehead, another one of those guys who was a number one overall prospect in that class was Whitehead. Uh, obviously, some medical concerns. Had another foot surgery, I believe it was his foot, um, before the draft that red flagged him as well. And then Jalen Wilson is their second rounder. He was the guy I was kind of talking about, similar to Christian Brown of last year, the Kansas kid. Um, a good defender. I think he is looking at a guy like Mikel Bridges as a really, really like possible comp for him. Like he he could be a very similar player to Mikel Bridges. Everything goes right and he develops a three-point shot a little bit more. Uh, so I just really loved what they did as well. So right now, Hornets and Nets were my two big winners um, from draft night. Wait, wait, we talked about the Charlotte Hornets on this on this podcast in, in a good positively. way for good moves? Yeah, positively. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, we'll see what happens. I, I still think Scoot was the better pick. I just think they got a lot of value with all four of their picks, like mm-hmm. their last three picks where they were slotted and, and the guys they ended up with. I thought it was actually well done for once by Charlotte, so good job by them. How about that? How about that? How about you, Xavier? What stood out for you on draft night? Yeah, um, I mean, of course, Scoot. I mean, Scoop going third, I really feel like that's going to bite the, the Hornets. You look back in so many previous drafts of them having a second pick, they always end up, you know, missing true. One, yeah, missing one of the best players. But in terms of, you know, other teams, I got the Houston Rockets. The Houston Rockets really, really, like, picking up a man, a man Thompson. I, I just watching their those twins' backstory – of like of how humble they are, how determined and hardworking those guys are. He just fits the perfect mold for email Doku to really coach him up and be a perfect molded player in the NBA. And then you look as well, we see Cam Whitmore. He dropped all the way down. What was he? The 20, the 20th pick. Yeah. yeah, the 20th pick. And, you know, Cam Whitmore, he was projected to be a top lottery pick. Sometimes, some even projected him to be, you know, a top five pick. And here you go. He drops all the way down. Reportedly, he showed he had a pretty bad, you know, workout. And then as well, he wasn't good at interviewing. The, uh, he didn't have some good interviews. And then as well, it was injury history. Cam Whitmore has plenty of, of talent behind him. And he has the perfect coach if he does have bad work ethic or, you know, if he does have – bad uh, uh, draft draft workouts, Ime Adoku is going to get him in line and check because players like playing with Ime Adoku. Adoku. It, it, it's just – the Boston Celtics has shown, like, at times, like, how much they miss Ime this past year. So, I think due to the fact that you get these very talented guys and you got a coach that's going to get the respect from these players, I feel pretty – uh, I feel very, very savvy about the Houston Rockets. And we see them four times out the year. I think the Houston Rockets, they can sometimes sneak a game or two if, if you tread them lightly. That's one of those teams. That's one. That's not my, my number one team I was, like, very surprised of. And then the second team is uh, the, the Thunder. The Thunder pick up Carson Wallace. You know, you look at their roster, they have – uh, they already have Josh Giddy. They already have Shea Gilgis Alexander. So you you scratching your head. Why do they need another guard? True be told, the the Oklahoma City Thunder they go against the grain right now. Like they're very unorthodox and they have some type of style working for them. And I feel like this is a perfect pickup because although you do have Shea Gilgis Alexander, you have Jalen Williams and, and 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 those other guys. You don't have like a consistent three point shooter. 
Carson Wallace can, can provide that for yeah, you. Case and Wallace, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I said, well, yeah, Case and Wallace can, can can provide that for you. Mm-hmm. And, and and this is another ball handler for them. And potentially, I mean, most likely he'll probably be coming off the bench. He could get you buckets pretty quickly. And as well, they pick up Keontae Johnson. Keontae Johnson, yeah. I I don't, I don't it, there's a pretty deep team right now for the Thunder in, in terms of youth. I don't know if he's going to see a lot of uh, uh, playing time this upcoming year, but I mean, he plays some pretty college, some good college ball. So I'm liking what the the Thunder are doing because you know, in terms of of a correct molded team in the NBA right now, especially you just saw Jokic win the championship. You would think everybody, it's a copycat league. You you would think they will pick up an actual big man because they don't have a, a true big. And you people forget Chet Holmgren. This is going to be his rookie year. They're unorthodox and they're not afraid to go against the grain and they're starting to see a little bit more success. You pick up Chet Holmgren, hopefully he gets stays healthy. He can he can put some little bit more muscle on his body and see what these guys can do, man. I'm I'm really excited for the Oklahoma City Thunder. When you go through the list, a lot more teams it felt like had a good night than that did not have a good night, right? I mean, a lot of teams I felt made very smart draft picks. It wouldn't be interesting, guys, if Portland finally lucked out. I mean, they got kind of burned with the Michael Jordan, Sam Bowie thing, you know, and then they got kind of burned with the Greg Godin, you know, Kevin Durant thing. So it would be kind of nice for the Portland Trailblazers. Like, they, they got it right with Scoot Henderson because the Hornets took Brandon Miller. I, I would have taken Scoot Henderson. I like the name. I like the attitude. I think he's a star. Uh, but, but Brandon Miller, maybe he'll be okay, too. I did think, and I agree with Matt, I thought Charlotte had an excellent night all the way through the draft. And, and, and Xavier, I agree with you with Houston. I thought, how, how can you not take Whitmore at 20 at that point? In fact, you wonder some of these other teams, how did Orlando pass on him twice? Really interesting. You know, the teams that had multiple first-round picks that, or, or even like the Nets didn't trade up maybe to get in front of a team to get in. But So I think Houston had a great night. I'm telling you this, though, living in the Washington, D.C. area, I think Washington finally has a direction. I think there's some adults in the building finally. I, you can say they didn't get enough for Bradley Beal. He had a no-trade clause. It was a disastrous contract. They were never winning with him anyway. You look at what they are now. Tyus Jones, we like him. I like the Jordan Poole move. Chris Paul was never going to play here. Jordan Poole can replace a lot of the Bradley Beal offense. He's kind of exciting. I, I don't know. Maybe he just needed to get out of Golden State. I absolutely love their first-round pick. Uh, uh, Calabali. How are you Why not take a chance? You know who's not turning around the Washington Wizards? Jarris Walker. You know who's not turning around the Washington Wizards? Derek Lively Jr. You know, they, they are the second. You know, Derek Lively the second. You know who's not turning around the Wizards? Jordan Hawkins. You know, this team has been miserable and in a malaise in this for, for years. Take the take his kid grew a foot in the past 12 months. And he's played, who knows? But at least you, you take a chance on a kid who could be special. And teams like the Wizards have to do that. And it wasn't like he was the number one pick in the draft. I think to get him, he's exciting. I will see. I'm very excited. The direction of the Wizards finally in the local team year has what feels like someone who knows what they're doing in the front office. I thought Utah had a great draft. I, thought I really like what the Jazz did. Even um, to get uh, to get Bryce Sensabaugh at 28, who people love as an offensive guy. I, I really like what Utah did. And, and I just wanted to hit on a couple second-round picks I thought were fantastic. I thought that the uh, the Timberwolves get Leonard Miller in the second round. He's one of those guys 
that seems overanalyzed. He's been around, uh, you know, we seem like he's been around forever in the G League. He's still young. He's even tall. He had a good second half of the year last year uh, playing in the G League. And I think he was a really nice pickup for the Timberwolves in the second round. I love, I love our second round pick. I, I wanted Jaden Hardy last year. I like these irrational confidence guys, you know, that who knows, a little nutty, but I don't know. I just think for the 45th pick in the draft to get, you know, Gigi Jackson, who's going to come in and just start chucking it up and hopefully put the ball in the basket for us. I remember last year I, I wanted I, I wanted a guy like this on the team who, who just is a little wild on offense and, and, and can at times put up 15 points in five minutes. And I think did you guys like the pick of Gigi Jackson for Memphis, Matt? Yeah, definitely, but only because, like, it's such a high upside pick. This kid, Gigi Jackson, was the number one prospect in his yeah. class before he reclassified. Now, he didn't have a good college year. South Carolina stunk, and he was a 17-year-old kid who was the best player on his team. So that's a lot to put on a 17-year-old plate. He needs some time to develop. But going back to what I said last year about this team, they need to stop spending all these draft picks. So the fact that they only took really one, you know, the other kid's going to be a stash and whatever. We'll see what happens in a couple of years whenever, if he decides to come over. But to take Gigi Jackson, who was the number one prospect, you know, in 2024, has a huge amount of upside, is going to have, you know, a lot of support here. There's obviously some South Carolina connection with the John Moran stuff already. Like, he's set up to to – be successful on the Memphis Grizzlies. He's not going to contribute this year, um, but if he watches and learns, you know, he should be studying David Roddy's tape from this season like the Bible. That's what he should be really hoping for from this first season is, you know, come in in a couple spots. I don't I don't even know if he'll play as much as Roddy did last year, honestly, but just the fact that it was their one pick, they took it, and it was the highest upside guy. You know, if it doesn't work out, who cares? You know, 45th pick, like you said. So, you know, I, I loved it. It was the perfect pick, in my opinion. Um, and I hope the kid's good. I, I, I think it will be. But for what they were trying to do this season, I think perfect pick. I like guys that have cool names. And he's upset because he dropped in the draft. And he comes in, he's a flamethrower. He's an offensive guy. Xavier, am I way overhyping this? But I, I, was, I was pretty excited. Nah, I'm 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 excited about the kid. I'll be honest, I didn't know much about him until we we drafted him. I watched his highlights. I'm like, yeah, this man has raw potential right here. He can be a big time bucket getter, able to create his own shot. That's what Memphis really been needing in that at the wing position. He's long. He's able to guard. You know, whether it is a wing or a big. Hopefully, he can just. Hopefully he's not – obviously he's he's young. Like like Matt said, he's 18 years old. So you put him basically a deer in the hot headlights. So we put him down there at South Haven, give him some time and, and rip up. He can shot chuck as much as he want down there and then boost <laughs> his confidence up and, and hopefully one day he can come up there to the Grizzlies and get us some, uh, some good buckets. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Guys, any last draft thoughts before we go on to our last segment? Yeah, if I could just say um, my one loser, I actually hated what the Jazz did uh, with their oh. three picks. I thought it was a bunch of guys that – well, especially Keontae George and and uh, Bryce Sensabaugh, as you said. They just – they're shot chuckers to me. I, it doesn't really fit with what they're trying to do, in my opinion, and what made them so good um, to start last year. And I think Hendricks, his ceiling is P.J. Tucker, honestly. So I just – I don't love that with a top ten pick. Um so that was my only loser. And if I could just go back to the Cam Whitmore thing for one second, you know, some really good organizations pass on him. The, the, the picks right before the Rockets take Cam Whitmore are the Lakers, the Heat, and the Warriors. 
a couple of front offices that I think we all kind of respect and look to as, as really smart and doing the right things. And for them to pass on him, you know, and, and teams like mm. Oklahoma City who had multiple picks and Orlando who had multiple picks, tells me this kid was not, you know, high on a lot of boards for a, a bunch of different reasons. Uh, but at the end of the day, if there's red flags about his character, I think the the Houston Rockets right now is the worst place for him yeah, to end yeah. up to with, with Kevin Porter and Jalen Green and Jabari Smith and a ton of young guys who want to be the best player on this Rockets team. I think it's going to be a disaster. So uh, I think a lot of people see the value and they see Cam Whitmore was supposed to be top 10 and they end up getting him 20. So it's a great pick. I kind of see it as the other way around. I don't think this kid's going to be any good. That is very interesting about the front offices. And yeah, I, I like their coach because he's a good ex no guy disciplinary. And he got let go from the Celtics for behavioral maturity issues as well. I, I, that's, a, that's an interesting thought. Xavier, any last thoughts about the draft before we move on? Uh, no, I, I don't have any much else to say. Yeah, it was, it's my favorite night of the year. I absolutely loved it. And, and we'll see how this plays out. That's why the summer league is so much fun to see. Uh, if you looked at the schedule, guys, that Friday, the first day, of course, they put all the top teams together. So hopefully we'll get a Wemby game or two out of that and see where that goes. Let's move on to our last segment for the show. Okay, our last segment tonight. Let's throw some heaters as we get into the dog days of summer, guys. Time for some hot takes. And, Matt, I'll start with you. Oh, I think it's, like, contrary to popular belief, and it, it's not a hot take, really. But I just see so many of these guys going back to their original teams. I think Harden goes back to Houston – or, excuse me, to Philly. Um, I think Kyrie ends up back in Dallas. It's just a place where they can get the most money, and it's really hard to pack up, pass up cash like that. I think now that Poole is gone, Draymond comes back to the Warriors, and they kind of run that thing back. Um, Reeves, you know, they would ha- somebody would have to throw a bag at him for – the Lakers not to match it. Middleton, I think, is going to re-sign again, too. Just looking at some of these top guys. Cam Johnson today, though, they were saying, uh, you know, you guys saw that report that Detroit's going to make a run at him for $100 million. I like Cam Johnson, too, and I think for that young team, like, it's worth a swing. Um, two guys who are kind of like in the top 10, I guess, free agents of most lists that you look look at that I think could switch teams. Um, the Fred Van Vliet thing, obviously, he's not coming back to Toronto, I don't know where he necessarily fits, but if Miami strikes out on Dame, um, obviously the Chris Paul sweepstakes is over now. So, you know, if the Dame thing doesn't get done, I could see them trying to add Fred Van Vliet there, um, reunite him with Kyle Lowry. He can be their kind of point guard that they kind of missed a little bit uh, in the postseason there towards the end in the NBA finals. And he could be a shot maker. Uh, Fred Van Vliet also has, you know, he's going to be your worst defender no matter what team he goes to. So they, it has to be a team with a defensive infrastructure that can hide him in that zone scheme. So Fred Van Vliet on the Miami Heat makes a ton of sense to me. Um, And then the other one, sorry, I already forgot who else I thought was going to move teams. Uh, I forgot. I've lost my place now. Sorry about that. But uh, yeah, so right now I'm just sticking with, uh, I'll find it again. Go go to Xavier. I'll find out who else I was looking at. Okay. okay. Xavier, hot take. Um, I mean, hot takes right now, of course. We've we've been hearing the news. Scoot Henderson was finally drafted by the Blazers, so they're going to finally move on from Damian Lillard. Where Lillard is going to go, I don't know yet. Obviously, the Heat is trying to be in the mix. And, you know, reports right now saying Lillard doesn't even want to play on a stacked team. I don't understand Damian Lillard. That's a whole different other story. But – Another hot take I have is the Clippers are going to blow this up. It is just time. Oh. The, these these younger teams are here, and you look at the Paul George and 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 Kawhi Leonard saga. 
although yes, they had success early and they blew they blew a three-one lead in the bubble and whatnot, the health factor isn't there. And we look at their contracts, their contract season, their contract will be up and back will be up in 2024. It is no reason to try to re-sign these two guys to stay on this Clippers team if you don't, if their health is always in jeopardy. And we've already seen a rumor circulating right now with Paul George of as of, the, of his name in the air scene, if teams are going to trade for him. If they go ahead and move on from Paul George, they just need to go ahead and get rid of Kawhi Leonard and just start this all over, get you a rebuilding team, especially since you're about to open a brand new facility for the Clippers. Just yeah. have a brand new team and get things restarted. It's just it just should be it for the Clippers. Like go ahead and blow it up. Blow it up. Wow. That's important though. Sometimes when you move into a new building to have that star power to sell tickets. Interesting, interesting take there. Is there Matt, back to you real quick. Uh, anything else for us? No, yeah. I thought I had a second guy. I just went right back through the list and through my notes. I did not have a second guy, but that kind of speaks to like what I was trying to say. I just think so many of these guys go back to their their team that they either opted out of or just finished their contract out with. Like, I, I just don't see that much movement, which we don't see like that often in the NBA. Like it's so much is always, you know, all this player movement and guys getting moved around. And maybe this is the culmination of a bunch of guys kind of re-signing and then forcing their way out that we've seen um, kind of be a trend in this league as well, that none of us really like that much, but I think a bunch of guys are just going back to where they came from and, Run it back. We'll see what happens. What, what would uh, you say? That's mostly because the just the money. The money's better to stay. The incentives yeah. from the league are to stay. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly yeah. how all these guys are going to make more money, and it's really hard to turn that down. And like you know, Kyrie Irving, I don't think is a great match with Luka Doncic. We saw that it did not work towards the end of that season, but it's you know a, a lot of extra cash to stay in Dallas, and I yeah. believe he can also sign for the extra year as well, which is a big part of this is the long term. Um, you know, sustainability and knowing that you're going to be somewhere for a while. And to, to uh, yeah, I'm kind of with you also, Dave, on the Clipper thing. Like, I, I think that Ballmer wants to keep star power to open up his new building with. I think it's really hard to blow that team up. But at the same time, they can't keep those guys on the floor. So they're in a bad spot, in my opinion. Well, and, and my hot take, guys, uh, kind of ties into what you're saying. I mean, the West is, I think, going to be much better next year. Uh, I think we have a champion now that has great team chemistry, maturity, solid coaching. I mean, one of the most, you know, important decisions they have to make this summer is, you know, whether uh, Bruce Brown's coming back. I mean, they have, a, I think, a, a real nice path ahead for them. And once you learn how to win, uh, we saw that in the 2015 Warriors. I think you have, you have a real confidence level. You can do it again and again. And, and what, what concerns me from a Memphis standpoint is I think we're really going to miss Ja over the first 25 games. I think we're going to miss Tyus over the course of the season. And I think we're really going to struggle this year. I think it's going to result in the seventh seed in the West. I think this number two seed these past two seasons, we did not show much of that in the playoffs. It, it didn't result in finals trips or anything like that. So I think that, you know, being the number two seed was a little inflated. I, I think this is really going to hurt us. We talked about it earlier on, on who's going to handle the ball. I don't like teams with a lot of off-season chaos. And there's a lot of noise around this team. We have to watch the medicals now. When's Brandon Clark going to play? Uh, and, you know, and, and then I hear the other day that it was jaw happy here. His, his team and his people think that the league is out to get him. And there's just a lot of noise on the, around this team right now. And, and I'm concerned that by the time he comes back and he's integrated, you know, they, there's an expression in baseball, you can't win the pennant in April, but you can lose it in April. 
And, and you know, if, if the if the Grizzlies start out, you guys said 16, 17 wins over the first 25. I, I don't care what the schedule is or who they play. If they go 10 and 15 over the first 25, I will be thrilled. I, I think there's a lot of chaos on this team right now. And I need to see that settle down uh, before I feel better about the team. But I, I think they're in real trouble. And, you know, we always talk about how the Grizzlies are, oh, they're the best young team in the league, the best young team in the league. Are we? I don't know. I mean, the Oklahoma City are a really good young team league with zero chaos right now, you know, and a first team all NBA guy, you know, so the league changes fast. And we saw a lot of talent come into the league. And I, you know, how long until Wemba Yamba, you know, has the Spurs turn in the right direction with a lot of good their role players as well. So I'm really concerned. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to always be the Debbie Downer, uh, but at this time of year, you know, maybe the Marcus Smart trade makes us feel better for a couple of days. I like this guy that we drafted in the second round, but this begins and ends with John Moran. And if his head's not screwed on right when the season starts and he comes back from that suspension ready to go, it's going to be a long season. I, I have a, a bad feeling. I certainly hope I'm wrong, but uh, that that's what I am feeling right now. Guys, wonderful to see you both today. It's been a long time since we recorded. Matt, why don't you go ahead and plug your socials as well as, as, well as the show's information. What do the listeners need to know? Yeah. Check me out at Matt H Gill uh, on Twitter Check out the show at the Core 4 Podcast. And Bluff City Media is at Bluff City underscore media. Check all that stuff out. Uh, a lot of great written content covering the draft, as we just talked about, uh, and all the offseason moves. Great game coverage once we get the season started back. Uh, I know they've been hosting a bunch of watch parties, or they did at least during the playoffs. Uh, so a lot of cool stuff going on at Bluff City Media. Check them out as well. Good stuff. Good stuff. Xavier, uh, where are you on social media and where can everyone watch the videos you produce? Yeah, you can follow me on on, on uh, YouTube and Twitter at uh, Zaytime Takes. And then as well, you can find me on on my TikTok at underscore XZAY for like unbiased opinions on more on all the other teams. And as well, be sure to follow Blow City Media Grizzlies page on Twitter because I'll be posting videos all the time, whether it is Grizzlies development plan or other breaking news. So, yeah, that's where you can find me. All right, good stuff. You can find me at DLB19338. Don't forget to check out the Core 4 throughout the offseason here on Bluff City Media. And we'll have another show after the Summer League, guys. It's going to be really interesting to see who steps up for our Summer League team. And, it, by the way, do we know, is Zaire going to play? Do we know if Zaire Williams is on the roster? He is not on the roster. Hmm. I find that a little interesting after coming off the last year and, and the injury and everything. I thought maybe they'd give him a little more time to develop uh, out there in Vegas. So, anyway, I always love the Summer League. Great being with you guys today, and we'll talk to you soon on the Core 4, the show for the hardcore Memphis Grizzlies fan. Stolen by Moran. Hammer. Nail. Coffin. This baby is over.